was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. The droids are clean, the vaporizers are patched, and the speeders fueled. It's time to pick up some blue milk and power converters. You're listening to Toshi Station Radio, brought to you by the Majestic Giraffe Network. Now here are your hosts for the Snarkist Podcast in Star Wars and Geek Culture, Brian and Nancy. From the outskirts of Anchorhead and on the shores of the Great Shot Flats, you're listening to Tashi Station Radio, the bright center in the universe for all things Star Wars and geek culture. I'm your host, Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host and wife, Nancy. Hello. On today's episode, we're reminiscing about four years since the Disney sale and bringing you two mini-interviews from New York Comic Con. We're about to get started, so sit back, grab some power converters, and enjoy the show. Uh, before we go too much further... A note from our sponsors, Tashi Station Radio is brought to you in part by You Are Awesome Patreon subscribers. Click the link on Tashi-Station.net for more details and to learn how you can help support this program and all of the other podcasts on the Tashi Station Network. And we're also brought to you in part by Her Universe, Flaunt Your World with Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, Transformers, Doctor Who, and other fandom-inspired war-driven jewelry. Click the link on our blog to purchase awesome geek gear and keep the lights running on the podcast. Hey, Fixer Flash Time, what geeky things have we been up to? Uh, I have been spending most of my time brainstorming for NaNoWriMo, which starts on Tuesday. And um, I am not ready, but when are you ever before NaNoWriMo? Uh, I finished Heir to the Empire for the Thrawn cast. We'll be talking about that tomorrow and then wrapping up the book the following week and... I am pleased to annou- uh, announce that it holds up. <laughs> Not that I was, I had any doubt. And I'm really excited to start Dark Force Rising because it's been a lot longer since I've read the second two books. And I have been reading the Verkosigan saga along with the Tor.com reread. Uh, I've always wanted, I've been wanting to read the books for a while now. I read the first two uh, earlier this year and took really a long time to get through the third but um i started the vor game the other day and i'm tearing through it i really like miles a lot better now that he's older uh and it's just it's such a good such good world building um i highly recommend it to everybody so yeah that's what i've been doing brian I don't know if I mentioned it on the last episode, but I uh, tore through Invasive by Chuck Wendig, and now I'm afraid of ants and oh, fungus. Yes, uh, the ant book. The ant book. <laughs> it's like Michael Crichton and uh, Chuck Wendig had a bastard love child. Yikes. <laughs> except this one doesn't deny global warming exists. Ah, yes. Yeah, so great book. I highly recommend it, especially if you never want to sleep again. <laughs> Why would you want to sleep? <laughs> That's really it for me, though. I have not been up to a whole lot of geeky stuff. Oh, oh, um, I should mention this, though. Uh, our friend Paula sent over just this treasure trove of uh, West End Games and Wizard of the C- Wizards of the Coast uh, Star Wars role-playing material. We've got it here in the office now, and it is ugh, it is delightful. I, uh, I, I can't wait to tear into this stuff uh, for Of Dice and Droids. It'll be a lot of fun. I, so what are you gonna what are you gonna do first? What campaign? I think you should do a Thrawn trilogy campaign for. Oh, well, I mean Thrawncast. They, it's it's not really a campaign they've got here. It's uh, resource books uh, uh-huh. for GMs. 
Well, you should write one. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to have to take a look at some of these uh, source books and uh, see what we got there, but lots of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yes, thank you, Paula. I'm very excited to tear into these. Yeah. Uh, that brings us over to what's new on the blog. What is new since the last time we uh, all got together here? Well, Saf reviewed The Last Battle, which was the most recent episode of Star Wars Rebels. Unfortunately, there was not an episode this week where... Um, but um, uh, that was a, a good episode. Probably my least favorite episode of the season so far, which is saying a lot because it was still a really good episode and the season has been really good in general. Um, We've got um, comic reviews from Rhea, as per usual, and she also interviewed Charles Sewell at New York Comic Con, and she's got a transcription of that interview up there. So if you've been enjoying the Poe Dameron comics, which we ha- will be talking about next time on the podcast, uh, go check that out. Uh, the Merc team returned in of the Dyson Droids. And uh, finally, we have a new episode of the Thronecast, as per usual, every week, um, which is my favorite title so far, Lady Vader in the Emperor's Hand. I, so good. I like that name. <laughs> yeah, that, that, one, that episode title is so, so good. Yes. Um, and we should mention, I am out of town the bulk of this following week, so uh, the Thronecast that we're recording tomorrow is probably all we're getting for the week, as wow. far as pod- podcast stuff goes. Oh, we've got a new Western Reaches as oh, well. Oh, that's right. Uh, we got a new Western Reaches this morning. That's up in the feed. So, yes, check that all that all that out. And as a reminder, uh, you can subscribe to the Tashi Station Radio Master Feed to just get all of our shows in one convenient feed. And uh, if you're not following Saf, which you probably are, but her Twitter handle is Wanderlustin. I believe she is away at various conventions. Yes, this week. she is at a couple of conventions in Australia, one of which is PAX Australia. So mm-hmm. uh, look forward to some cool discussion on that when she gets back from that for Western Reaches. Yes. Uh, I guess that brings us over to Deke's Deke's Dirt. I can't talk. Deke's Dirt. Mm -hmm. And uh, something interesting uh, happened. What was it? Friday night? Uh, Yes. Um, So Friday night, there was an announcement uh, from her universe. It first showed up as an email in my inbox because I subscribed to their newsletter thing. And um, it was that Hot Topic acquired her universe. Uh, and people on Twitter immediately started talking about it. Ashley put out a post um, and then did a Facebook live chat a little bit afterwards at answering questions. But basically the gist of it, of it is is that Hot Topic has acquired her universe. Heart Universe will still continue to be its own brand. Um, just now it's run the parent company as Hot Topic. Um, and Ashley is going to continue to be the founder and be involved in that capacity and designing clothes. Um, really good things is that they will be able to do more shipping to Europe and they will be able to offer more plus sizes, which people were very happy about. I know that's been one of Ashley's biggest frustrations is not being able to get plus sizes out as fast as she would like to. But, um, all in all, it seems like nothing much is going to change other than more accessibility and more options. And hopefully we get a lot, some more brands uh, that they designed for. Um, 
I'm and uh, you know they're still going to be available on other websites like ThinkGeek and Torrid and at the Disney parks too. So really, nothing's changing except good stuff. Yep, more resources for her universe now. Uh, they may not need us as a sponsor anymore, which uh, <laughs> great news for them. Well, you know, yeah, we yeah we sense people there. We it's do. Fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting for the email that says, uh, yeah, we're not doing the sponsorship anymore. Aw, no. It's been a good run, though. Aw. Uh, four years ago today, I think we're going to go down memory lane here. Yeah. Uh, you uh, pulled up Facebook this morning and uh, with their <laughs> memories feature, saw that four years ago today, Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. Yes. Um. So we've got... um. I've actually trying to use Twitter search. It's really hard. Good luck. Twitter search is the worst. Yeah. So I'm looking through like what my um what my tweets were that day. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. I tweeted at you on Halloween last year or 4 years ago. I just had a thought. Disney cruises. And your response was, oh, my God. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that that was. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, four years ago today, Disney uh, acquired Lucasfilm mm -hmm. uh, in the uh, in the news announcement heard around the world. I was sitting in a Taco Bell in Moses Lake, Washington, having like a Crunchwrap burrito or something when <laughs> you started texting me incessantly. And um yeah, that was wild. It it was. <laughs> I'm. This is really funny. I'm just reading through all these tweets. <laughs> um, oh, you got to give me some highlights. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to get back to the beginning, like when it when it first was announced. Um, you continue with your story. <laughs> with with my story, that pretty yeah. much was the story. I was okay. sitting at a Taco Bell in Moses Lake. Well, yes, I um, yeah, I I tweeted you, and I was like. Oh, so apparently my first one of my first tweets was, can we have Star Wars land at Disney now? This is all I really care about. Yep. <laughs> nailed that one, too. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was um, very exciting. Yeah. 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 Um, so what was my first tweet? Was that the first one? I don't. Th oh, Twitter has exploded. <laughs> Twitter that has exploded. Um, <laughs> all I want to know is how, the, how will this affect the publishing plan? Cause damn it. I want Kenobi and those rebels books. Well, we got Kenobi. We got the, we got the rebels books. But they and then weren't one rebels. of them went, yeah. Uh, that was pretty much the nail in the coffin of sword of the Jedi and the forever unnamed Paul S. Kemp duology. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, looking back at it now, uh, we might have been in some denial then, but that was pretty much the end of the expanded universe as we knew it, right? Yeah. Um, I said, maybe this will finally stop people from saying that the Theron trilogy are episodes 7, 8, and 9. No, it didn't. <laughs> and someone replied, unless that that's the material that Disney uses as a basis for the next film. And I said, I will eat my hat if that happens. I don't have a hat, but I'll buy one and eat it. Good news, you did not I have did to not eat a hat. I did not have to eat my hat. Um, hi, cat. Hi, cat. <laughs> I said, I guess I should go home now, but I'm kind of afraid about what will happen to fandom on my drive. <laughs> 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 um, I feel like all of fandom just wants to say, hold me. 
<laughs> Accurate. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Um, hi. We have a cat in here, guys. She's very chirpy right now. She is, because she, she hears. Um, oh, I said um, my books. I said I'm putting my books in the vault, in a vault. Putting my EU books w- Was in. that a Disney vault reference? Yes, it, it was. It was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember seeing on it on Twitter and immediately freaking out and I was at work and became useless for the rest of the day. Um, I tweet, I texted Brian and was like, um, why are you not at your desk right now? We need to talk about this. The reason I wasn't at my desk was because I was on the other side of the state uh, on a work trip and I was outside a cell phone contact and couldn't check Twitter or my texts until uh, Mm -hmm. I left and went and got dinner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> uh, Aaron Goins, uh, host of the Star Wars Bookworms, tweeted, part of me is hoping that Delray wraps up the current Star Wars EU by 2015 and the EU is completely rebooted with the start of the new movies. He was kind of right. Yeah. I... They, they didn't really wrap up. Well, I mean, Crucible but... was technically yeah. a wrap. But, but they didn't like, you know, put out Sword of the Jedi and those those things. But I, I really wonder, though, if they had put those, if they had put out everything that they had announced, which really the only thing was Sword of the Jedi, would people still be as mad? And I say, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't think. Yeah. No, I think they'd be every bit as mad. I, I, Wouldn't I, have mattered. I, yeah. Maz agrees. <laughs> Maz agrees. Um, I said, maybe episode seven through nine will take Club Jade's cafeteria style approach to the Star Wars EU as long as they use all the good stuff. You know, to a degree that's been right. It's kind of, right? I mean, and I said I could see them doing something like with the Jedi Academy in the future, which, I mean, they kind of had Luke teaching new Jedi and then one of them going bad. Yeah, it, it was kind of there. I mean... Um... They've brought they've they've picked and choose some interesting stuff from Legends to get ported over to the ported over to the stuff they're making now. I mean, Thrawn. Yeah, Thrawn, and um, and we. I don't think if people had were really wanting Thrawn, but people were wanting Thrawn for the sequels trilogy, and I don't think anyone was expecting that he was going to be brought in in an earlier time period. But I think it works really well. I actually really like seeing Thrawn at the height of the Empire rather than afterwards. Like, if he's, if he, the problem is, is that Thrawn either has to be the new threat, like he is an heir to the Empire, or he has to be at the height of the Empire because he's, then he can be his greatest i think one of my favorite absurd bits of speculation was yeah they're gonna do uh they're gonna do heir to the jedi is uh seven eight and nine and they'll just do empire heir to the empire (laughs) and they'll just uh do cgi jeff bridges for the main cast oh wow (laughs) that would have been so bad yeah um i said i can has x-wing tv series now still pining for that one yeah someday yeah so oh it was just a whirlwind that day. It really was. And it's, yeah, it, yeah, it was. Oh, wait, I 
figured out how to do my search better. Oh, excellent. I mean, we were we were scheduled to record a podcast the next day, and then we said, screw that, we're recording one today, and we got Dunk over from Club Jade to join us. I think that recording went an hour and a half. Uh, I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, yeah, it was... We, we had a lot to talk about. We talked a lot. I actually really like going back and listening to that because it's like we talk about the EU and stuff and what we think's going to happen to it. And some some of the things we're really right about and some of them we're uh, no, nowhere close to. I, I One of my earliest predictions was that uh, Dark Horse was going to lose the license to Marvel. Yeah. And yeah, that one writing was on the wall there. Mm-hmm. Why would why would Disney have this comic license and not give it to Marvel, yeah. who they also own? Um, but I had a couple. I, I think that day I had a couple big takeaways uh, after I'd gotten over the holy crap, this is actually happening. Um, <laughs> a kind of uh, kind of panic. Um, first thought was that. Um, uh, of course, George Lucas was going to sell out months earlier. Kathleen Kennedy wound up on the board at the uh, Lucasfilm. And in hindsight, you don't go get Kathleen Kennedy away from Steven Spielberg's Amblin Productions or whatever. Sh- or, and uh, from working with uh, Marshall to just watch over this dormant IP. Yeah. They were always going to do movies the instant Kathleen Kennedy came on board. Yeah. It's it makes and actually a Pablo has a really good um, uh, article about it that came out on this on StarWars.com the day they announced the sale, um, and I think it was floating around Twitter today. But um, basically, when he found out and like when he he like J- June first he heard that Kathleen Kennedy was coming onto Lucasfilm and he immediately was like there's something going on with movies because why else would we bring her in? But they didn't know, are we, is it going to be star Wars movies? And then on the 29th, that's when he found out there was going to be new star Wars movies. Your diary today. I learned there were going to be more star Wars films. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, I finally found, I, I, I got my tweets. I was like, I think my first thing I tweeted was, can we have star Wars land at Disney now? This is all I really want. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I said, I'm putting all my post-Return of the Jedi books, well, the ones I like at least, in a vault just in case. I'm really afraid to go look at TFN Lit right now. BRB planning on having a baby girl so she can dress up as a Disney princess Leia. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and talking about Star Wars without the Fox fanfare. Yeah, that's still weird. Yeah. I mean, one of my other big takeaways was, and I think I think I came to terms with this on the drive home, mm-hmm. was that this is the end of the expanded universe yeah. as we know it. It's actually I found I just found a tweet from Jennifer Heddle. She had tweeted, "Yeah, regarding how new movies will affect the EU, I don't know yet. We'll let you guys know when we know." <laughs> yeah, and um. Yeah. Although I think that's part of the reason you and I weren't flying off the handle angry when the Legends announcement was made. I think we both kind of saw the writing on the wall and just started that day coming to terms with it. Yeah. Um, Another thought I had was, um, of course, George Lucas was going to sell to Disney. Uh, He had 
he'd been working with Disney for decades at that point on various Star Wars and non-Star Wars things. Um, uh, there's Indiana Jones at the parks. There was Star Wars weekends. There was um, uh, Star Tours, obviously. Um, he had a good working relationship with Disney. And Bob, I- Bob Iger... Bob Iger was on a buying spree mm-hmm. uh, for the years leading up to the Star Wars sale. Um, I mean, he went and bought went and bought Pixar, went and bought Marvel. Lucasfilm was the obvious next step. Um, yeah, so it was obvious it was going to be Disney. And after I had a chance to cool down, I, I guess the other big thought I had was if anyone's buying this. It's better than it's Disney than mm-hmm. anyone else. Can you imagine if Star Wars okay. had gone to like NBC Universal or Ugh. Warner Brothers or no. Sony? No. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be Disney. Yeah. Had to be Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another tweet. I keep wondering who could be the villain for episode seven, eight, nine. Maybe somebody who survives the Clone Wars. I hope it's not Palpatine coming back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, I don't know. Is that better than Snoke? Better or worse than Snoke theories? Than Snoke theory. Um, I'm looking at your tweets now. I can't even remember what I tweeted. So remember that bit in the Essential Readers Companion talking about how the Star Wars EU was a parallel canon? See? Good thing. <laughs> he said, I'm not surprised Disney purchased Lucasfilm. Episode 7, or 7 through 9, however, was the surprise. It shouldn't have been, though. Yep. Shouldn't have been a surprise. Oh, what did you find? Also, for your consideration, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Surprised that one didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing I really don't care about continuity right now. Still don't really. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I'm looking. Uh, who else is looking forward to the inclusion of Princess Leia and Han during Phantasmic's love scene? <laughs> Come think on, of all the new, Think of all the new merchandise this deal is going to make. Star Wars a flamethrower. I mean, that's true. Oh, I imagine this probably means Dark Horse won't be getting a new Star Wars contract. Hello, Marvel. People got mad at me when I tweeted that. Well? Like, like actual frothing anger. Uh, yeah i mean it was right we both tweeted something about wanting x-wing tv series well i still want an x-wing tv series yeah yeah that it's true um the last time disney made a major acquisitions the avengers happened you were very you were glad about that yeah i mean I think a lot of people the next day after they calmed down said, okay, they have Marvel and they've done okay with that. Maybe I shouldn't be so angry about this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a it was a strange day in fandom. Really? I mean, do you, do you have any other lingering memories from the sale? Um, Mostly just wondering what the hell was going to happen next. Like in regards to the expanded universe, in regards to what the movies were going to be about. We had no idea like what the movies were going to be about we knew also there were going to be other movies but we didn't know what they were going to be about either um just a lot of uncertainty and the first couple years was really not fun because 
They canceled really a lot of stuff. They people were really sour oh. about Disney. And Dark, then Dark Horse lost the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clone Wars ended. Lucas Lucas Arts got shut down. Yeah. Uh, detours. Well, just kind of died on the vine. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, no, well, I mean, apart from the lit stuff, sort of Jedi never got made. The duology never happened. Uh, Luke uh, Lucas Arts closing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was those were the big things, and people were just kind of and like, it all seemed to happen really quick succession too. Yeah, so people were like, Disney's ruining Star Wars, and I mean, people are still saying that now. But um, you know, I think once we got over that hump, and Rebels came out, the new the new canon started with yeah, publishing. Um, boy, looking back at it now, things were really rocky. Right up until A New Dawn and yeah. Rebels came out. Yeah, and then, you know, people started getting more into it. I know a lot of, some people didn't like the earlier books. Um, and for me, it wasn't really until Aftermath came out that I really, like, really started enjoying the, yeah, the same. books. Yeah, that's, that's when I, th- that's when I really got on board with the new canon. Yeah, but um, and all of, all of those Force Friday books really were were really good. And then we got um a lot of people love Twilight Company. We got um, oh, we got Bloodline. So yeah, I mean, it's it. I you know you look back on it now and you're like, what would we be talking about now? Would we still have this podcast? I mean, <laughs> what do you think if the sale hadn't happened? How long would this show have gone? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, know if. I mean, I know we were like, we had been talking about it. We're like, man, we, we what were are we going to talk about well, <laughs> anymore? After you know? after Celebration Orlando, the last Celebration here in Orlando, we'd really been scraping bottom of the barrel for weeks mm-hmm. on stuff to talk about. Yeah. And we frequently weren't talking about Star Wars yeah. on this show. Right. I, I don't know if this show lives past the 50th episode if the sale doesn't happen yeah i mean we talked about books we talked about you know we would talk about clone wars and stuff but i mean neither you or i were really into clone wars um we were into the eu but we were losing our interest in the post return of the jedi era we we didn't have a whole lot of enthusiasm for uh Bless you. The stuff that was coming out, and we were kind of getting tapped out on the retrospectives we could do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know if I don't know if this show survives past the fiftieth episode without the sale. Yeah, I don't know either. And the blog itself probably just dies less than a year into existence. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about. uh, Think about what. Not only just what happens to uh, this show, but what happens to the blog and what happens to fandom as a whole. Well, yeah, that's the thing is what happens to fandom as a whole, because like fandom kind of got really quiet after Avenged the Sith. Fandom, it got, you know, there were a lot more people who were coming into fandom well, because of Clone Wars. Yeah, and but it was it was really approaching. It was starting to approach 10 years. Yeah. Of a mostly dormant intellectual right. property that was getting by on an animated children's show right. and some media tie-in well, and stuff. And then I think that all the people who came into fandom because of Clone Wars, what would have happened to them if there was nothing else 
Like afterwards, like, exactly. If you like, you think about it. There's no movies, so Clone Wars ends, and then the logic. The, say Rebels happens. You know, yeah, there are going to be people who are, you know, super into Rebels, but that's all they have. Like, well, I've, does Rebels happen without the yeah, sale? Yeah, and I've told I've told the story, you know, numerous times about how. I started reading Star Wars books because I saw the original trilogy and I wanted more. And so I read Heir to the Empire, which was com- we had just come out. So it was like the perfect time. And I say, if I had seen those movies and there wasn't anything else, would I have gotten as obsessed if I had as I was? And I wonder that about like people who came into fandom with Clone Wars, if they didn't have rebels and now new movies to glom onto would they have would that have been you know and now and even like something like saw Gerrera being in rogue one you know adds a whole new level to that show so yeah it's i'm glad we're not talking about <laughs> star wars detours right now <laughs> I mean, it looked fun, but I could not make I could not make a blog and podcast out of it that. It looked fun, but I mean, I think back to Celebration Six, which was I mean, it was super fun. Don't get me wrong, but Celebration Six was super fun because of you know the friends we hung out with and like seeing you know Mark Hamill and that sort of thing. But like, I think back to like what was the news we got out of that convention? Like detours. We got Sword of the Jedi and Detours, and I think the Kemp duology was announced then. I don't know. I don't know. And, and like... Some game stuff on some web gaming stuff. But it was, yeah, I mean, it was mostly, like, just continuing Clone Wars and all that, you know. But where <laughs> where does where do things go if the sale doesn't happen? I, I, think, I think he asked Filoni, and they could have only... He'd probably say they could only do seven or eight seasons of Clone Wars before they just ran out of steam and things got too repetitive. And I mean, yeah, now we've got um, new, you know, we've got a new show and you think, yeah, they can probably just keep doing animated shows, um, you know, ad nauseum. But there really wasn't a Lucasfilm animation division like there is now. Yeah. I mean, Clone Wars animated series, you have to remember it was really kind of a passion project for George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 ha- it had a following it, uh, there were a lot of great people working on it, but, um, what, yeah, just what happens? Yeah. Don't know. I'm glad we don't have to, uh, know that now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting what if, but, uh, you y'all look you look back at all of it now, where we were then, where things could have gone then without a sale, and where we are now, and you have to think we're all better for the sale having happened. I certainly agree, so I know I know there's a lot of people who still don't like the new direction and I I just I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> I'm so happy Disney bought Star Wars and we have new movies and it they're all great and it's great and fandom is great. Everything's awesome. Yes. So, Everything is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Four years ago today, crazy stuff happened. And here we are now. Yeah. Tashi Station Radio is at episode 158 instead of dying on the vine at 50. <laughs> uh, I guess we should go talk about Star Wars film news and Biggs bullshit now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we start with USA Today having a sneak 
peek on the Rogue One Imperials. Yep. Uh, got to see more of Krennic. Got to hear more about them talk about Vader and how what he's going to be involved in the story. Um, it was just a neat article. Um, and I still really want to hear more about Krennic. Agreed. Uh, Daisy Ridley says, we'll learn about P- Ray's parentage in a year. <laughs> Are we really going to learn about her parentage in a year? I mean, technically, we'll learn that we didn't learn anything is learning something. Because I remember them saying we were definitely going to find out things. Um, and we didn't. And we didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out. Uh, and I don't know what this is. There's a new batshit crazy Ray's parentage theory. Yes. Okay. So this. So this. This is actually interesting theory it's one of the more interesting ones i've read it's from uh the website force material um and it's based on the movie the boys from brazil which is a 70s conspiracy thriller um and it's about um i believe it's about nazis in argentina (laughs) um and because of what jj abrams said um, that all came about, they all came out of conversations about what would have happened if the Nazis all went to Argentina, but then started working together again. And that's how the First Order, like, was inspired. So this, he looked through this movie and sort of analyzed it, how the, um, like, the villain in that movie is kind of like a clone of Hitler. <laughs> um so they're basically saying that um like she so okay so here it says I'm going to have to spoil a significant plot detail to make my point here so if you don't know who the boys from Brazil are and you want to come to the movie clean stop reading now or forever hold your peace. The film sees Nazi hunter Ezra Lieberman unravel Mengel's sinister machinations to create Adolf Hitler, or rather, a lot of Adolf Hitlers. In the 1960s, Mengel fertilized several surrogate mothers in a Brazilian clinic with Ova carrying a sample of Hitler's DNA. A total of 94 clones of Hitler were born and were sent to different parts of the world for adoption. But it's not enough that the clones be genetic duplicates. As cloning expert Professor Bruckner explains to Lieberman while he pieces Mengel's plot together, in order to produce the perfect clone, not only would you have to reproduce the genetic code of the donor, but the environmental background as well. In fact, Mengel goes to absurd lengths to recreate Hitler's upbringing, ensuring that each of the 94 children are adopted by cold and domineering civil servants with wives about 23 years younger than themselves, recreating the relationship between Hitler's parents, and that each of these 94 civil servants meet untimely deaths around the age of 65, just like Hitler's father did. Now, imagine that the Nazis are the First Order. Imagine that they've escaped to the unknown regions of space instead of South America. And imagine that instead of being raised by an overbearing civil servant, their Hitler had been raised under the thumb of a cruel junk dealer on a desert planet. What do you suppose would they would do then? <laughs> TLDR, what if Rey is a clone of Anakin and what if her upbringing on Jakku isn't just an affectionate callback to earlier films in the saga, but a deliberate attempt in-universe to reproduce the environmental background of Anakin Skywalker and reverse engineer the next Darth Vader? That is absolutely crazy, but I... <laughs> 
but right? I kind of like it despite myself. Yes, I like. I think the whole Ray is Anakin's clones theory are dumb, mostly because a lot of the things I've heard is like it's it's the will. Not of as the dumb f- as just Anakin reincarnated via yeah. the will of the Force. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's mostly it's like the will of the Force, or she's a reincarnation. But like, if they're gonna go this way, like. Have it be like flat out. We're making her exactly like the background of Anakin because you know we're trying we're trying to recreate another Darth Vader. And then Ray doesn't turn into Darth Vader and shows once and for all that Anakin was his own fault. Yeah. Um. Of course, the big problem with this theory is that I, I, in uh, Star Wars, there's a singular big problem. <laughs> well, in in Star Wars, Hitler isn't Darth Vader. Hitler is Palpatine. Palpatine. So, you know, you want to create a new Palpatine, you send someone to Naboo. <laughs> um, so that kind of, you know, you wonder, eh. But I don't know if the First Order, because, you know, you have Kylo Ren worshipping Darth Vader. Does the rest of the First Order have the same feelings about Vader? Um do they worship Palpatine in the same way? They haven't really talked about Palpatine really at all. So, yeah, if we're gonna have a Ray is a clone of Anakin theory, that's kind of let's go a, whole hog crazy. Yeah, that that's it. So yeah, and I also like the fact that they're just like it was not just like what if Ray's a clone of Anakin? It was actually like analyzing this movie that probably influenced J.J. Abrams. So I I will give them. A plus theorizing force material. So um, go check out that blog. I think it was posted on October 17th. So Very cool. And finally, uh, we're going to link over to Club Jade, who has a great article about giving the Han Solo movie a chance. And I think we talked a lot about this on our last episode when we talked about Donald Glover being cast as Lando and how the Han movie was really kind of a meh thing for us um but with each decision they make it just gets Gets a little more interesting yeah like you know okay han yeah all right they cast a cool guy i guess oh lando's in it oh okay that's that's more interesting we knew chewie's in it that's also interesting wait the the lady they're gonna cast is not white oh okay maybe they're listening to us (laughs) oh and by the way the kasdans are writing it and it's uh being directed by the guys who did the Lego movie in 21 Jump Street. Yeah, so obviously it's going to be funny. Um, and uh, the Star Wars after show this this week had, was talking about Donald Glover playing Lando. And um, they said, I, uh, Scott Romley said, who writes for the Star Wars show and is the voice of the Yoda Fountain, said when he... And the ghost copier machine. Yes. <laughs> when he said, when he found out that they got um, the Lord and... Chris Miller, is that, that's right? Yeah. I didn't mix them up. <laughs> um, Either that strike it, reverse yeah. it. He said, um, yay, Star Wars is going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like I we said, this is really, this is really the way you got to go with this movie. Like, you can't treat it seriously or it's going to fall completely flat. Like, it's got to be fun. It's got to be campy. You've got to make it Raiders. Yeah. You got to make it Raiders with some good humor, a nice ensemble cast. Yeah. And like, even if it, even if it does the thing where it shows how, you know, Han got the Falcon and it shows how he rescued Chewie, you know, yeah, that's 
maybe predictable as in but that doesn't mean it's going to be boring you know um it's and her article was really good in that saying it's the movie's helmed by a pair of directors who are best known for taking horrible ideals ideas and actually making great films out of them um and remember lawrence caston he co-wrote the thing these are not a bunch of random dudes off the street making a fan film they and everyone else at lucasfilm have a clear concept of the character and the film what do we the audience have hints and rumors and speculation not the most solid ground for judgment uh, I'm not going to discount the possibility that the movie could still turn out to be so-so. Hell, I'm still a little wary about the whole spin-off concept myself. But basically saying, give the Han Solo movie a chance, just like you're going to give Rogue One a chance. And I agree. I mean, I'm, this isn't a movie I'm the most excited about, no. But, you know, we're moving away from the whole era where every Star Wars movie is like a huge crazy event um you know these standalone movies are kind of gonna be like the standalone Marvel movies and where the episodes are the Avengers you know <laughs> and that's not necessarily a bad thing I mean they because you look at a movie like uh Civil War which technically wasn't an Avengers movie and everyone really loved, you know? So, yeah, it's you can still have a really great standalone movie and not have it be the most important thing to ever exist in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> same with books, same with TV shows. Importance Ag- does not equal quality. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> okay, well... um. We mentioned at the top of the show that we are doing a little bit of an abbreviated episode this week uh, because we're busy. I have to get ready for a work conference, but um, we do have a little bit of a treat for you. Uh, At New York Comic Con, Bria uh, got a couple uh, little mini interviews with Chuck Wendig and Timothy Zahn. And for uh, short Cammy's concerns this week, we're just going to play those interviews for you. Yep. So stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. Oh, and I uh, should mention first, uh, it is uh, Chuck Wendig you're going to be hearing first, and uh, then you'll hear uh, Timothy's on. So yes, again, catch you on the other side. So what was it like doing uh, Star Wars novel the second time around? It was good. Period. End of sentence. That's all I can tell you. No, it was great. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I had a little more room to move with the second book. Um, we kind of knew where we were at. The movie was already out, uh, or was coming out by the point I was, by the point I was writing it. Um, so I had a lot more freedom to kind of do some fun stuff, so hopefully it paid off. It's a little bit of pressure off since you'd already done it once. Well, it's less pressure and more, because now I was dealing with bigger stuff, bigger characters. Uh, I got to play, you know, in the deeper end of the pool, so nice. it was a little more pressure, but I liked it. It was good pressure. Awesome. All right, so how could you possibly manage to make Mr. Bones even funnier? Like, how did you pull that off? I don't know. I just like him. I like living with him, and then it's fun. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. He's like a spice. You can't overuse him. Um, you gotta know just, like, enough. Just enough Mr. Bones. Is, you know, you can't do a whole book of him. I mean, I would read it. I know, I would I would write it. All caps. Like, 300 pages of just all caps murdered. Cuddle droid. Here's all the stuff about the Bones. I and know. his hugs. I know. Okay, so the fleet act. Fleet act. Yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. Did you get to name him, or did that come from Lucasfilm? No, that was, that was over me. Moi. C'est moi. Yeah. So how much of, uh, like, The Force Awakens and Episode 8 did you, like, have to know about before you started writing it? And, like, have you seen more? Do you know more about 8? 
I don't. No, I don't know a whole lot about it. I mean, I know kind of the setup of the, the galaxy, and I knew what got us through The Force Awakens, and I knew what carried us through that film and a little bit past it, but I mean, I don't know any big secrets. Um, so, you know, some of that stuff feeds into these books, but really the books are such closer proximity to Return of the Jedi than they do to The Force Awakens. Uh, so that's kind of what's really feeding the, uh, the story. So this one, so like that had a much heavier inclusion of film characters, so what was it like to really getting, getting to delve into them more than like the little brief bits we got to play on the interlude with Han showing? Awesome! Like, a lot of fun, because I get to have them not be the main characters, but still use them hopefully well and enough. Like, they're not cameo characters. It's not an interlude where they just appear and then they're gone. They're a consistent presence in the universe um, while also not dominating the narrative. So it still lets the story that started in Aftermath continue, and then they sort of hopefully rich it, richen it up a little bit. So. It's a little crazy for you having, like, you can write those scenes where Norris talking away after the first time, and yeah. you're like, yay! Yeah, because it has the sense like I'm in like a role playing game where like my character just meant like Elminster or something like I shouldn't. He's like Sh- this shouldn't be right. I don't feel like you got to go with it. You got to make it real and authentic and all that good stuff. Yeah. Speaking of Nora, uh huh, and her husband. Yeah, I have to ask. <laughs> yeah, had you read the Kratos trap by Meg Stackpole before? Were you aware of like the Derek Mysteri plot line? I knew the plot line, but I, was, I had not actually read all of the Stackpole. So was it like completely accidental that Wedge got Derek twice in every universe? Um, it's a little accidental, yeah. Like I kind of knew there was a little that vibe. I didn't know we were laying quite so close to it, but once we knew we were, it was like, well, let's play with it, and then we'll see how we can diverge. Because yeah. I was getting text messages from Brian and Nancy because I've read the book faster than they do, obviously. Right. Right. So I get the one from one of them as soon as we get the flowers. Wedge got Derek yeah. again. Yeah, poor Wedge. Oh, I love Wedge. Poor, poor, poor Wedge. Okay, last question. Yeah. Should we be worried about mm-hmm. what happens? To Grand Admiral Race Alone in the Empire's End. <laughs> you should be worried about what happens to everyone no! in the Empire's End. That's all I want to hear, that's Chuck! All, that's all you need to know. Worry. Get, get afraid. Everything ends. So how much can I pay you to kill Brendel Hops? Uh, uh, we'll talk. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Nice. Thank you. Okay, so we're here with Tim Zahn at New York Comic Con. I feel like I need to be queuing up that Tarkin line about the, you know, she lied. She lied to us. <laughs> Who? Me? Yes, you. So how does it feel to finally have the, uh, the Thrawn announcement out in the air? Very, it's a great relief. I've been tap dancing for eight months before that, before it was released, uh, not answering questions that were asked and answering questions that weren't asked, but no, most people didn't notice the difference. No, we really didn't. It, yeah. was very, it was very, very impressive. But it was really frustrating to have people like you, who you know I know and I like, but I couldn't say anything to. We get it. So, we yeah. get it. So the story you told us about learning about Thrawn coming into Rebels at DragonCon, that was really fantastic. But what was it like for you once this, the news kind of sunk in? I'm not sure it has sunk in even yet, and I've seen it on my te- own television in my own living room, and it's still there's a, still a sense of unreality about it, which is probably good because otherwise I'd be panicking. <laughs> but the book is the book is done, or is the first draft? The is, first right? draft is done. Uh, Elizabeth and I have discussed the changes that she and the Del Rey crew uh, would like to see. Um, I'm just waiting now on Lucasfilm to finish up their backlog of Rogue One stuff, and which obviously has to be done before they can look at mine. 
I'll see what kind of comments they have, what kind of changes. I'll roll everything together, and hopefully by early January, it'll be back on Elizabeth's desk and ready to go into production. Wow. Already there. Yep. So what is it like uh, being back and writing the Galaxy Far, Far Away? Oh, a lot of fun. It's always it's always fun to come back to Star Wars. Uh, it's an exciting universe, lots of possibilities, some cool characters you get to deal with, uh, and others you get to make up on your own. So, um, yeah, it's it's like I've never been gone. So you wrote, what, a dozen books in the old canon? Or am I, am I overestimating, underestimating? A lot, right, in the old canon? Uh, in in uh, Legends, I have ten. So, uh, Thrawn would make it 11 books. Yeah. I keep thinking uh, the line from Spinal Tap, ours goes up to 11. <laughs> so after doing 10 books in, sorry, in Legends, is it a little weird writing in this new canon now? Like, you have to find, your, to find yourself having to readjust and go, oh, that was the case in this world, but not in this one? Well, the difference will come in, really, when Lucasfilm weighs in on, on the book. Uh, as far as writing is concerned... I, I'm not bound by anything in Legends, which in some ways makes it easier. Uh, I know what Rebels is doing. I know um, what I have to link up with. This is an era where there's not much, I don't think, a lot being written book-wise, so it's a fairly open canvas. And, of course, with Star Wars, you're only dealing usually with your own little corner of the galaxy, and all sorts of stuff can be happening elsewhere. So it's very easy, especially when you don't have the main characters, not to run into somebody else's stuff. So um, the writing process has not been any different from any of the other books. Uh, but we will, again, as I say, we'll see what Lucasfilm says about it and if there are any restrictions. Especially if there are restrictions I don't know about because they're, they're, they're planned and they're in production, but uh, haven't come to light yet. That'll be the real real test. Okay, awesome. We're looking forward to reading the book in April, and thank you very much. Thank you. And we are back. Again, thank you, Bria, for getting those uh, little mini-interviews with uh, Chuck Wendig and Tim Zahn. Uh, always nice to hear from them, and uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show here. Uh, this episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by Her Universe, and you are Patreon subscribers. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi underscore station. That's the official show account. Uh, you can find Lane Winry, uh, my, me with Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. You can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find us on the Facebooks the Facebooks uh, with uh, Tashi Station Network. Uh, we're available on the iTunes Store, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, if you like what you hear, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, you can find our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Thanks for catching another episode with us. We will see you all next time. Bye! This podcast has been brought to you by Majestic Draft Productions and is the official podcast of TashiStation.net. All Star Wars names, music, and logos are property of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Tashi Station Radio is not endorsed by Lucasfilm or any division of the company. Now go pick up some power converters. Oh,